Matthew 22, and we are going to look at verse uh, let's look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, now before we read it, let me give you the backdrop. The Sadducees or the Sanhedrin decides that they want to mess with Jesus one day and propose to him questions to see how he'll respond with his answers. So, verse 24, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his mother, I'm sorry, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now, there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, died. And having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh. In other words, seven brothers married the same woman is what the the, the Pharisees are saying here. And then last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seventh? For they all have her. Jesus answered and said, You do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So, verse 30 alone. In the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So, Sister J.I., hearing what I just said in verse 30, what does it sound like verse 30 is implying if you put the whole context together? Ain't going to be no marrying going on. Okay. Now, every every man for himself. Now, now I, I, I will throw this in here. To understand this before your mind goes to, I thought in the Quran it talks about in paradise we'll be married and have spouses and all that. So I'm not going to deal with that subject tonight. I will say this. It's a matter of understanding the resurrection that Jesus and the Pharisees are talking about here. So we read about the resurrection in the Bible. We ultimately think the resurrection that we know about the end, not realizing that in Judaism, when they talk about the resurrection, there's there's several different things that could be being referenced. So you will have to understand the context to figure out: Are we talking about the Judgment Day resurrection? Or are we talking about the other resurrection? So, like I said, that's a different lesson. I won't get into that. But to cancel the confusion that we know that the Quran talks about in paradise, there will be uh, those of us that will have companions and. Uh, things like that versus what we just said where it looks like it's saying in the resurrection there ain't going to be no marriage. Okay, so come back to that later. But outside of that, Sister J. Hyde, that's the only thing you see verse 30 seems to be pointing to in the context of what the questions are about the seven men and the one wife. But particularly homing in on verse 30. Where I say it again, Jesus says, you do, I'm going to do 29. You err because you don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. 
What would that seem like it is saying? If, if, that, if that's all you saw, then I'll leave it at that. But do you see anything else? But that they're they're gonna they're gonna be like the angels. Okay, they'll be like the angels. Okay, Sister Venus, does anything stand out to you in the context, but particularly verse thirty? That's pretty much the same thing that Sister Laura was saying. Basically, uh, what it's dealing to with the resurrection here, it appears to me from reading it that during the resurrection, this this particular resurrection that they're talking about, uh, that people don't need that they don't need to be married nor given into marriage, uh, as she stated. You'll become like the angels in heaven, where okay. I think that you're just like the angels in heaven, pretty much. Okay. Are given unto marriage. Okay. Okay. It's a spiritual. Okay. I say it's a spiritual. It's more of a spiritual thing than a physical mind, physical connection on this this particular thing that we're talking about. Okay. Okay. Sister Samaya, do you hear anything that stands out to you? Well, I'm thinking, and particularly along those lines, that when you speak of as uh, the angels who are basically heavenly creatures or have live a certain lifestyle, um, I'm thinking that um, when you say marriage, Marriage is somewhat of a uh, a thing that is uh, how can I say associated with man. Um, mm-hmm. as, uh, they come together as one. They mate. They multiply. You know. Uh, whereas uh, that's not really what angels do. Do they? <laughs> okay. Man, okay. man was given the instruction to multiply and 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 all of that, and and I'm thinking that uh, marriage is uh, a structure uh, in of which that takes place. Okay. Okay. So, with that said, looking at the context, so the question is the fact that seven brothers marry one woman. So the smart aleck question is, in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? Jesus comes back and says, you're an absolute heir because you don't understand the scriptures. Because in the resurrection, they, the ones being resurrected in this, will be as the angels, neither given into marriage nor marrying. Everybody understand the context, right? Right. So what it would seem to be telling us is that the angels don't get married. Right. So therefore, the sons of God that took wives cannot be angels in the sense of what we understand angels to be because angels don't take wives. Right. Okay. Go to Hebrews chapter 1.
Hebrews chapter 1. Sister Jaha, can you just read verse 5, please? If I can get there. So as he's getting there, keep in mind, it seems to be saying that angels are not given into marriage. So if angels are not given into marriage, and I'm going to tie in something that somebody just said, marriage was given as the structure for the human to multiply themselves. Instead of us being wild Instead of us being wild beasts and just just going out any and everywhere, God gave us an institution of man and woman so that we can multiply. When it comes to this particular creation of heavenly beings, there's no need to multiply amongst this particular group. And if you remember, Scripture lets it be known, both in the Bible and the Quran, that there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of these heavenly beings of this particular class that there's no need for them to reproduce because this is what God created this particular group for. Now, the reason I'm emphasizing group is because you must remember when we use the word angel, which simply means messenger, it could be referring to any of the different classes of heavenly beings that are created. So when you say angel, that doesn't determine the race of the being being talked about. It just simply shows the closeness of this being or beings to the creator in the sense that they have been chosen to be messengers on his behalf. Make sense? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, how can you prove that? Because we just read angels don't marry. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. So 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 Hebrews one verse five, what does it say? For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Okay, again, stop there. Stop there. So unto which of the angels has God ever said, you are my son? Everybody Bible say the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. But yet we all know that we've been taught and we understand the sons of God to be what what we know as fallen angels. So, again, when you deal with angel, you are dealing with heavenly beings of different races or different classes, if I can call them that. Different races, different classes, but heavenly beings. Just as much as human beings, we are all of different races and different classes. Some rich, some poor, some black, some white. But collectively, we are the human race. Out there, they collectively are the spiritual race. They're, they're, they're all spiritual, but they're different. Some are mean, some are good, some are tall, some are short. <laughs> you get my point. So particularly the group or the class of beings that Jesus was talking about that's not given into marriage, we can't just say 
angels and think all angels because we know that's not the fact because then how do you explain the sons of God who we call angels and and, and while I'm talking go to Genesis 6 who the Bible clearly tells a story of what they did so either we accept Jesus lies and there's a contradiction now or we bring in the fact that we just read, unto which of the angels have God ever said, you are my son? So now that now brings the question that if God never said to an angel that he was a son, how do we equate sons of God to angels when God himself says he never called an angel a son? Mm. Does it make sense what I'm saying? Okay. But yet, this one word, angel, is what all this is centered around. And if we can get it in our mind that when we say angel, we can be referring to any class of created being who is a messenger for God, whether that be the human or whatever else is out here. Okay? Sister Lord, what was your home? Go ahead, Sister Samaya, and I'll come back to you, Sister Laura. Go ahead, Sister Samaya. I just wanted to know if you were recording. I am. Great. <laughs> Thanks. That's all. <laughs> I am. All right. So, what was your what was your deep hum, Sister Laura? That that hum was uh, the fact that you uh, you brought up something that's never been brought to light. Uh, Sons of God, we've been taught all all our lives that the sons of God were the uh, the giants, um, and then then made to believe that they were angels, fallen angels, and uh, reading the scripture uh, that that was just read. When Got did you. I ever say that an uh, angel was uh, was my son? Yeah. Got you. Got you. So, so again, to emphasize the driller's point, we are clearly seeing that when it comes to this word angel, we're dealing with different classes of beings. Right. That we just round it off into one word, angel, which simply just means messenger. It's not a race of beings that God created called angels. A human being can be an angel. If you go ahead, Sister Smile. I thought the sons of God were of the Gentiles. They they are. They are. But remember are amongst the Gentiles, remember amongst the Gen, God said, I sent messengers among them. So those gems would be angels. Okay. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, just like uh, humans could be angels, gems could be angels, in that sense. Correct. Messengers. Okay. Correct. So that's why I keep emphasizing, as long as we hold to the Christian tradition that angels are a race of beings that God created to worship him and da-da-da-da-da, we missed the whole point that angels, which simply means one that's been deputized by the creator, can be of any of the species that God has created. So 
is it in Jeremiah? Is it in Jeremiah that where he talks about uh, angels on one side, on 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 either side, crying holy, holy, back and forth to each other? Um, is Ezekiel your top mouth? Ezekiel, okay. Um, are are we to envision envision uh, uh, the messen all all messengers holding the pep rally? No, because again. You're dealing with different classes of races of beings. So what's your question? Allah clears that up in the Quran where he lets it be known that there's a particular species that he created that all they do is stand around his throne and sing to him. That, that race of people, that's all they do. That's all they know to do. And amongst those people, there are certain chosen ones to be messengers to their people but you get what I'm saying? They would be considered right. angels, but that's that race of people. So bring back in the play that I brought up. We, we, we've studied it, but I brought it up again Wednesday, that Allah says he created seven earths, seven heavens. And within these earths and these heavens, there's life. Each life is different, but yet very real and alive. And they worship God. Can everybody accept that? <laughs> you thinking? Say that again. I said, keep in mind that Allah created seven earths, seven heavens. I'll quote it the way he said it. He said he he created seven heavens and the earth, the light thereof. We looked at a scripture where Allah lets it be known that spread out through these heavens are life. And they prostrate and they bow to him. They worship him. So what I'm saying is just like in our earth, in our dimension, there are humans that worship God. In the heaven and the earth above us, there are beings that worship God. In the heaven and the earth above that one, there are beings that worship God. And we keep going up till we get to the seventh. There are different types of beings, and they worship God. And out of each group, if God chooses that one for that race to be his deputy, that one is considered an angel. So when we're reading about the angels, sometimes within the context, you'll be able to determine, like we're going to try to get to tonight, where, like, for instance, Gabriel and Michael are angels, correct? Mm-hmm. And not just angels, but archangels. We say archangel a lot, but what does that mean? What is an archangel? How many are there? What makes them archangels? These answers are in Scripture. So, but before we get to that, Gabriel and Michael are angels. But yet when you do study of Scripture, you find out the race that they're from are the race of the watchers. So Gabriel is a watcher. Michael is a watcher. Iblis was a watcher. Do you get my point? Yes. 
So, don't jump ahead of yourself. Okay, go to the first slide here that we're on. And in the first slide, we are, no, I told you to go to Genesis 6. Go to Genesis 6 first, then we'll do the first slide. So in Genesis 6, very familiar passage says, came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives, all of which they chose. So verse 2, we've already established that the taking of wives is not a romantic story. They forced these women into relationships. But the fact that they took wives, but yet we just saw Jesus say, angels don't take wives. So these sons of God, even though called angels, cannot be the same category of angel that Jesus is talking about, not giving into marriage. Does it make sense what I'm saying now, what I was trying to say? Mm-hmm. We're talking about angels, but different categories. This category of what we would call angels came and took wives. Not only did they take wives, it goes on and says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive always with man, for he is flesh, and his days could be 120. There were giants in the earth in those days. Stop for a minute. The translator translated this word to giant. And by saying giant, it throws the story off. Because when we read the word giant, we think of giant. Jack and the Beanstalk and the Jolly Green Giant type stuff. This is not what's being referenced. Now, are we saying that there's no giants? I would be a fool to tell you that because there's too much evidence to show you that there were giants on the earth one day. But these giants are not the giants that we know that are at the Smithsonian Museum and different places around the world. Those are the people of that. So, yes, there were tall people that we would call giants today that once roamed the earth with humans. Don't know what, well, we do know what happened to them, but just very vague detail that God gives us about them and why he wiped them out. But these giants in Genesis 6 are not the giants that we think about. The word giant comes back to the word Nephilim, which will come back to the word tyrant, bully, oppressor. So what made, why they translated the word giant, as I told you in the past, is not because of their height, but more of their demeanor and their pompous attitudes, their arrogance, that they felt that they were better than everybody to the point that they enslaved people and made themselves gods. Everybody got that? Mm-hmm. So again, I will repeat, we're not denying the giants. They existed. They walked amongst mankind. But in Genesis 6, the giants that are being referenced here are not the giants that we think, but rather these are the Nephilim. So matter of fact, if we take the word giant now and just say there were Nephilim in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which are old. Men of renown. So it would appear that the Nephilim are the result of the union of the sons of God and the human women. Everybody got that? Mm-hmm. 
So therefore, this is why the Nephilim were considered demigods, half God, half human, because their fathers, who were pure spiritual or unearthly beings, produced with human women these half-breeds. And, and, and if you can get this in your mind that this was common society back then, this was normal. This is why when we read the story of when, when Noah was born, Jared thought Noah wasn't his son because of the bright light that was shining around him when he came out the womb. So he accused his wife of cheating on him with one of them and was ready to divorce her. So, so you get my point. If Jared felt his wife cheated and Noah was one of their kids, this was common. This, this, he, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't a scary thing. This was, he was more mad than scared. So this had to be common. It was, it was just for humans to expect unhuman babies to be born and have a clear signal of what human baby looked like versus one of their babies. This was a common practice at one time. Okay. Keep in mind that your Bible says Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because they went after strange flesh. Now, because of the one part in, in the story where the angels are there and the men tried to rape them, we conclude that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of homosexuality and lesbianism and sexual perversion. So we, we equate homosexuality to Sodom and Gomorrah now. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Not realizing that if you really dig at what that means, they went after strange flesh. Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed simply because of of homosexuality and lesbianism. It was ultimately destroyed because of the sexual perversion that took place between them and humans, and it was causing corruption. So throughout scriptures, You'll notice that whenever humans start having sex with them, all of a sudden there's an uprise of violence and killing and rapes and murders and jealousy and people turn against each other. So this is why I keep saying you can about tell when they are involved in something because of the chaos and the anger and the rage and the rapes and the crimes and this is their behavior. This is how they live. This this is normal to them. And again, to, for us to cohabitate again, we humans had to be demoralized to what they are in order for us to interact with each other. And now we are at a point in history where humans are ready to be inducted into this new way of living again because we have debased ourselves. Or should I say they have debased us? I'll say it that way. Okay, so now let's look at the first slide. So this is going to be Enoch chapter 6. So in Enoch chapter 6, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied that in no days were born unto them beautiful, comely daughters. And the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them, and said one to another, come let us choose wives from among the children of men and begat us children. Some Jaza, 
who was their leader, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us swear an oath, all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And there were about 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon called Mount Hermon. And you can read the rest of that because then it gets into the name. Now, further research on this particular passage, I found that where it says there were 200 that came, you actually find out that it's actually 200 marids, meaning 200,000 of them. So let me say it this way, without giving an exact number. It's not just 200 of them, but 200 marids of them. So it's numerous of them that come. When they came in, as you, you'll figure out later on in Enoch, they came in waves. So wave one came. And they colonized, and wave two came to help join the colonization, and then it kept going on, so they've been coming. So I was sharing with Sister Jehai yesterday, I had a thought, and that thought was, you know how they keep saying one day, one day maybe we might have proof of extra extraterrestrial contact with humans. When I told Sister Jehai, if we really think about it, Genesis 6 is the proof we need. The Bible clearly describes contact from a source that is not human to human to the point that they made it together and produced children. But yet the fathers of these children were not human. So we, we've got the proof right there. We just don't see it as such. And again, um, well, I ain't going to say again because I don't know if I've ever said this to you guys. Genesis 6. Is one of the most, and particularly this this portion of Genesis 6, is one of the most important aspects of the Bible because it details the story of how, what went down and what has brought us to this moment we are at right now. But yet we've been deluded to believe a story about Satan tempting Adam and Eve in the garden to eat some fruit, and because they ate the fruit, Adam fell from grace, became a sinner, Every one of his human children were born into the sin he did. Satan then became owner of the world. And because Satan became owner of the world and man had lost his fate with God, man himself could not conquer the devil to get the kingdom back. So God had to come himself in the form of a human body to shed innocent blood. I don't have to tell the whole story. You get my point. And by the shedding of that blood and the resurrection of Jesus, God was able to take the kingdom back from the devil and then give it back to the born-again believer. So in the believer's mind, this has all been a battle about Satan causing man to come into a state of being a sinner, and all his generations after him were born sinners. And this is what Satan holds over us, is that we are born sinners until we are washed in the blood and born again. But if the truth be told, what the Bible seems to say is that a group of beings came with the intentions of implanting their DNA into our DNA 
to create children that ultimately will create families for dominancy over the world apart from the human that was given dominancy over the world by the creator. Right, right. So we're kind of telling the same story, but we're leaving one group leaves out a lot of the facts of what this really is about versus what we think it's about. Okay, go ahead, Sister Venus. I had a thought as you were saying that about something that we had spoke about um, in class Wednesday night when we were reading those scriptures about in Thor's two seventeen about a lot making us viceroys in the earth and you you told us to look up that word viceroy and stuff and we right. came up with the colonization to bring sovereignty basically and my thing is is that with what you're saying versus what that's saying it kind of brings to mind to me like it's almost like they wanted to beat us to the draw so that they could still have power over the earth which god had already given it to us to go ahead and and be viceroy and by them taking over in this type of way changes the whole program of with us being the viceroys and taking control over what God said that we have the authority to do. All right. And I'm going to so like back off kind of put the authority back into their hands again. All right. And I'm going to piggyback off what you just said. Now, what Sister Vina just said, most people would spiritualize that. And we get into this deep spiritual warfare thing about how Satan's after the souls of men and so on. But if we look at this realistically, we can't deny that the Bible says beings came and started human families with human women. Correct? We, we agree with that? Correct. <laughs> we know that the Bible says that these Nephilim, these children of these beings, were in the earth before the flood and they were in the earth after the flood, which means that either they came back and did it again or some of them survived and continued on their bloodlines. Well, we agree with that? Right. <laughs> okay, so if these families existed, and this was about dominancy, and let's speed up to today where we all know that there's one family or families that own the water. They own the electricity. They own everything and then enslave the rest of us and treat us like cattle because this is about dominancy. This is about rulership. And so in order to keep the human away from knowing what it is and who it is, they give us all this entertainment that numbs our minds and make us zombies where they can tell us what to do and how to act and how to dress how to be, and like sheep being led to the slaughter because we don't know ourselves, we go along with their program while our rulership is being taken from us. Mm -hmm. And God is trying to guide us back to it so that we can take our rightful place and take over. Now, one thing I will agree with President Orange on is this. <laughs> 
In order for us to get our liberties and our freedoms back, is not going to be on our knees groveling and begging for it. It's going to require us to get up and fight. And when I say fight, I'm not just talking about physical fighting, but I'm talking about resisting all the onslaughts that would hinder our spiritual development. Again, I say, we live in an age now where you really can't get away from sexuality. You can't unless you just go somewhere and be a hermit. Right. It's on the billboards, on the highway, it's on the commercials. It ain't even it ain't even just porn no more. It's just everywhere. Right. All the things that we have that keep our attention away from Allah, no matter where we go, is everywhere. So we are purposely been put into a system meant to strip us of our spirituality. Let me say it a different way. We now are in a system that is purposely trying and attempting to strip every human being of their spiritual insight so that they do not tap into their powers of clairvoyancy and telepathy and all the things that the church told us was the devil. So when you when you realize that there's people at the top of the church who are a part of this conspiracy to keep control in their hands and keep the masses in the darkness like sheep being led to the slaughter, this is our reality. Now, not saying every preacher and all this, but the reality is, yes, there are people at the top. If if preachers could not worship the devil behind closed doors, then what was the purpose of the Bible telling us to beware of people of uh, 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 wolves in sheep clothing? Right. What was the purpose of telling us to try the spirit to see if this of God? Because many false prophets have gone out to the world. If people could not imitate like they were godly people, but in reality were devils, what was the purpose of God warning us about that? Okay, go to the next slide. The Egregors. I brought the Egregor word up once before. I want to show you this again so that, that we, we tie this in. Go to the next slide. So it says, I'm not going to pronounce that French word, but in English it says, the manuscript found in Sargaza, written by Polish author Count John Poktyki, uh, in, er in the early 1800s, features the term egregores, referring to the most illustrious of the fallen angels. However, it is important to take note of the novel's heavy uh, Ornid, uh, Orientalist, Orientalist, and fanatical bent. The second author to adopt Egregor in a modern language seems to be French poet Victor Hugo, Legend of the Ages, where he uses the word Egregor first as an adjective, then as a noun while leaving the meaning obscure. The author seems to have needed a word rhyming with words ending in the sound or it would not 
it would not be the only example of word creation by Victor Hugo. However, the word is the normal form that the Greek word watcher would take in French. So, pause there. So the word egregor, which is a French word, actually comes back to the word watcher. And what you'll find in occult understanding is a lot is said about these egregors who are nothing more than the watchers. So uh, it says this term was used in the book of Enoch for great angel-like spirits. Elif is Levi. And the great mystery identifies egregors with the tradition concerning the watchers, the fathers of the Nephilim describing them as terrible beings that crush us without pity because they are unaware of our existence. Okay, so I want to go back to the part where it says the watchers are the fathers of the Nephilim. So now if we tie the word watchers to angels, you now realize that the watchers are a rank or category or a race of beings that God has created called watchers. In French, they were called egregores. Egregores, watchers. So now, if the watchers in old thinking were the fathers of the Nephilim, and if we tie that to Genesis 6, the sons of God then would tie into the watchers. But then when you go to the Quran, you find out that these beings called watchers are what we understand to be the race of beings that he talks about that was here before we came. But because of their corruption and because they would not listen to their messengers, God removed them as being viceroys of the earth. Hence how we came about. And then a war started because they didn't like the fact that we took their place. And not only did we take their place, but they became subservient to us. Okay, let's put it in a human way of thinking. Uh, uh, and it might be hard to do this way because some of us don't have this type of heart. But in most people, if you became a multi-billionaire, multi-billionaire, but you had to answer to a poor person, most people would not be able to accept such a thing that does, that does not have a right heart. Does make sense what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. And the reason why is I'm better than you. I got more money than you. I got a big house. Right? You live in a shack, and I got to be accountable to you. So you get what I'm saying, that type of mindset, that type of attitude. Mm-hmm. So these beings had technology. These beings have been here for a long time. They knew more than us. They understood more than us. And now the message has been decreed that we got to bow down to something that's less than us? No, not doing it. Not today. (laughs) Okay, go to Daniel. Chapter 4. You know what I was going to say? Something that his thought came to my mind. What's that? Still saying it, but yet they found that uh, men' daughters was pleasant in their sight. Right on, right on. 
Right on. And you say that, and I'm going to say this. It's Black History Month, so I can say this. And I say it. <laughs> freedom. No. <laughs> just like you just said, we wasn't good enough, but our girl, our women was good enough to lay with and sleep with. Right? Right. So it, it's just like how this mindset is today. It's good to use the niggas on the field and let them play the heck out that field and entertain the folks, but you could never come in my house, and you could never be treated equal to me. Right. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to get started on that subject. Amen. <laughs> Daniel 4. Daniel 4. <laughs> I repeat, it is Black History Month. It is. It is. <laughs> Daniel 4. And we're going to look at verse 10. Where Nebuchadnezzar says, thus were the visions of my head in my bed. And I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the air of heaven dwelt in the bowls thereof, and all flesh was fed from it. And I saw in the visions of my head, uh, upon my bed, and behold, a watcher, and a holy one came down from heaven, and he cried aloud and said thus, hew down the tree. In other words, cut down the tree, cut off its branches, Take off the leaves, scatter the fruit, let the beast get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass and tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Jump down to verse 17. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the man by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will and setteth up over it the basis of men. Now, this matter is by the decree of the of the watchers. And what's being decreed is that Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom is to fall. What you need to understand is notice the decree was by who? The watchers. So these watchers are are are, are rank of beings who hold power to be able to make decrees over kingdoms. So, so again, we brought up the question before in the Quran and in the Bible where it talks about, and we did this, and we say this, and we did that, and I told you it's about God's unity. Yes, there is the creator, and he runs his administration or his empire, but under him, just like me and you are his servants, that have been chosen to carry out particular jobs for the empire, there are beings of different ranks, just as much as us, that carry out the administration of the universe. 
So this is why I say once God gives me my boundaries, I don't have to keep going to God and asking, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do this? If God already told me what to do, I know what to do. It's when I don't know what to do that I ask him for permission and get direction. But once once the king has spoken, he is he given direction. So if the holy watchers, and this is why Gabriel made such a statement that from the day you prayed, Daniel, till now, I came. I was sent. But the prince of Persia stopped me. Prince of Persia would have to be a watcher that had been assigned over that territory. But because he went rogue, he fought his own brother, Gabriel, in order to stop Gabriel from getting to Daniel. Both of the same race, but one turned, one was still on the right path. And they had to have a fight. Prince of Persia tried to stop me, but I got here, here's the message. Then he says, but I got to get back because Michael came to help me. I left him there, and now the Prince of Greece is coming to help the Prince of Persia, so I got to get back to the fight to help Michael. So there were watchers fighting each other, and the fight seems to be about somebody entered my territory, and I don't want you here. Can you, can you, can you picture that? Yeah. So when we look at our endless wars today, Yes, at the surface, we're fighting over beings and 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 everything else. I'm being silly when I say beings, but y'all get my point. Silly, aimless wars. And if we understand behind these wars, it's still these same beings pushing for fighting each other for territories. And who's going to be the most dominant in your Quran? In Surah Jinn, uh, chapter 72, the Jinn tell us they fight each other. And if if you could understand that we humans are nothing but cattle of them, they don't care about sending our sons and our daughters to bloody war to die for their baseless agendas. Okay? So go go to the next slide. Go to the next slide, which is going to be Enoch chapter 12. And so, Sister Lord, can you read that real quick, please? Before these things, Enoch was hidden. And no one of the children of men knew where he was hidden and where he abode and what had become of him and his activities had to do with the watchers, and his days were with the Holy One. And I, Enoch, was blessing the Lord of majesty and the king of the ages. And lo, the watchers called me, Enoch, the scribe, and said to me, Enoch, thou scribe of night righteousness, Go, declare to the watchers of the heaven who have left the high heaven, the holy eternal place, and have detailed, defiled themselves with women, and have done as the children of earth do, and have taken unto themselves wives, 
You have wrought, you have wrought great destruction on the earth, and you shall have no peace nor forgiveness of sin. And inasmuch as they delight themselves in their children, the beloved ones shall they seek. And over the destruction of their children shall they lament and shall make supplication unto eternity. But the mercy of peace shall you not attain. Okay, so starting at verse 3, I want you to notice a couple of things. Enoch says, I was blessing the Lord of majesty, the king of ages. So he was worshiping the creator. Everybody agree with that? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Lo, I'm sorry, and lo, the watchers called me. Enoch, the scribe, and said to me, Enoch, foul scribe of righteousness, go declare to the watchers of heaven who left the high heaven. So who called out to Enoch? The watcher. And the watchers told him to say what? Go declare. To go yeah. declare. To Those who the other watchers. Okay, so this lets it be known that this conflict was amongst the watchers. Some failed, some didn't. But it's all about the watchers. Everybody see this? Mm-hmm. So the good watchers told Enoch, go tell the bad watchers, you... You 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 left your high place in heaven, the holy eternal place, and you defiled yourselves with women, and you done as the children of earth do, referring to the act of sex. Mm-hmm. You have wrought great destruction on the earth. You will have no peace nor forgiveness of sins, insomuch they delight themselves in their children. So, in other words. Even though these women were forced into this plan, the children that were produced, these watchers, loved their families. So it wasn't like, oh, I just got you pregnant, aha, I deal with it. No, they loved their children. You know what? So, think... Go ahead. I'm sorry, my bad got to think it. Like, guys, you know, we read this story, it's becoming like real and real every time we go over this stuff. But I just got to thinking, like, wow, wait a minute. They got body parts like we got. <laughs> right on. Right on. That's so unreal. Like, because I got to thinking, like, well, how the heck they have to say their body is different? Their body is so different than ours is. Except for having the part. But this is what I keep saying. They are much like us. They're just more advanced than us. Oh, wow. This just came real to me. <laughs> so when I bring up again spiritual warfare, we're not fighting Caspers. We are fighting real beings who are part of a different bloodline who particularly don't respect us nor like us, so they destroy us through our food. 
They destroy us through our minds. They destroy us with our music. They destroy our cultures. They destroy our morals. They destroy our faith, and they debase us to nothing but animals to them. They kill us. They sacrifice us. They they blow buildings up with people in it with no issues. They send people in to do active shootings with no problems. They sick the the, the proud boys on us. It, it, we're we are dealing with a group of people who don't care. Okay, so it says as they delight themselves in their children. Verse six: the murder of their beloved ones shall they see. And over the destruction of their children shall they lament. They shall make supplication unto eternity, but mercy and peace you will not obtain. So God lets it be known to Enoch through the watchers. Go tell the ones, go tell those other watchers that are on earth, here's how this is going to go down. Those children you made and that you so love, you're going to watch them all die. And your heart's going to constantly hurt from the memory that you re- – you're going to remember this. This is why I keep telling you when these people open the gate and they let these beings out who have been hostile and angry about what happened to their kids, can you imagine the hell that will come upon this land? Right. But thanks be to God, God lets it be known he's going to stop it because he has prophesied that once he established his kingdom, that's, that's it. Try if you will, but yeah. All right, go to the next slide. Which is Ezekiel chapter 20. And Ezekiel chapter 20 says, these are the names of the angels who watch. So these are the names of the watchers. Uriel, one of the holy angels who preside over clamor and terror. Raphael, one of the holy angels who preside over the spirits of men. Rugel, one of the holy angels who inflicts punishment on the world and the luminaries. Michael, one of the holy angels who presiding over the human virtue commands the nation. Zachariel. Uh, uh, one of the holy angels who preside over the spirits of the children of men that transgress. And then Gabriel, one of the holy angels who preside over uh, uh, whatever, he kissed over paradise and over the cherubim. So do you see Michael and Gabriel listed amongst the watchers there? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Wait. Yeah. I see Michael. Verse 5 and verse 7. Yeah. Verse 5 and verse 7 puts Michael and Gabriel into the category of the watchers. But we know that Archangel Michael and Archangel Gabriel are chief angels. So amongst the group of the watchers, these guys are are our commanders. Can I ask you a question? Is this uh, this is from the book of Enoch, correct? The book of Enoch, chapter twenty. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I thought you said Ezekiel. <laughs> no, no, Enoch, Enoch, chapter twenty. Okay. So, watchers who fell, 
Watchers who didn't. Watchers who today are in conflict with each other. Can you picture what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, if the bad watchers have flying technology, what would make us think that the good watchers don't do? Which, if the bad watchers ever decided to use their ships against us again, we would see again what ancient scriptures tell us happened, that a, a sky war took place. Spaceships, apparently in scriptures, had outright shootouts in the sky. This is scripture. This is not science fiction books. This is in ancient scriptures. You have scriptures that refer to such things in the Torah. You have scriptures that make reference to such things in Quran. You have scriptures that make reference to such things in the Vedas. So we, we can't get around the fact that in scripture, it seems to describe beings who have flying technology, who can fight each other, who also, one group can also do harm to humans. One group seems to be trying to help humans and protect humans. So the, the, the rabbit hole just gets deeper. But again, as I tell people, if we want to hold on to our Sunday school version of the story, alhamdulillah, we can do that. But if we want to get down to what's really going on here, why has it been since 2012 to 2021? It seems like it has been amped up. Okay, let me ask this. It, it, does anyone else on this phone, even though we realize Kamala, I know her name is Kamala, but I call her Kamala. Kamala <laughs> and Sleepy Joe, our, our president and vice president. You said Sleepy Joe. Um, Sleepy Joe, yeah, Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe. <laughs> Sister J. Hodge, since since these two have been in office, have you seen have you seen the president on TV yet? Uh, our new president? Yeah. Uh, I haven't been watching the news a whole lot, so. I'm not, uh, I'm no, I'm not seeing. Okay, okay. Sister Samaya, have you seen him since he took office? I have, many times. All right, Sister Samaya, have you seen him since he took office? Yes, I have. I actually see him today, too. Okay, yep. so let, 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 me, let me ask y'all this. Even though you're watching this man talking and we know it's the new president, does it feel like we have a president? Or does America just feel jacked up right now? I would have to say, to be honest with you, it doesn't feel like there is a president because it's not it's almost like he's he's there but he's not like fully took the capacity of being president. Or there's no movement. Like I, I don't know if these movements are silent moves or what, but I can't say that there has been like an initial takeoff yet. Okay. Now let me explain this. What these mad crazy people have done to us psychologically is gave us a madman for four years. 
so that now we we have normal and normal no longer is normal. Does it make sense what I'm saying? We're, we have mm-hmm. normal now, but because we've dealt with abnormal for so long, normal now feels weird. Right, but to be honest with you, I never paid attention to any of the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. So, so, so the reason why there's this numb feeling over the nation is because they put us in a deer mode. Trump, <laughs> Trump was the car coming towards the deer, and it made us all just stop and stare at the light. Now we're in limbo, and we don't know what to do. We're still fighting. We thought by a new president that race tension and everything was going to die down. It's gotten worse, it seems like. We got senators trying to threaten to shoot other senators. It's getting crazy. So when our world is turning this chaotic, this is not normal. It's not normal. Not normal at all. And if we understand what's behind it, we'll understand what's really going on. It's this same group of beings. All right, go 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 to the next slide. In the next slide you're going to see, this is from the Book of Jubilee, Chapter 4. Book of Jubilee, Chapter 4, starting at verse 9. It says, and Cain took Awan, his sister, to be his wife, and she bare him Enoch at the close of the fourth jubilee. And at the first year, and in the first year of the first week of the fifth jubilee, houses were built on earth, and Cain built a city and called its name after his son Enoch. And Adam knew his wife, and she was yet, I'm sorry, Adam knew his wife, and she bare yet nine sons. And in the fifth week of the Jubilee, Seth took Azura, his sister, to be his wife. And in the fourth year of the sixth week, she bare him Enos. He began to call him the name of the Lord on the earth. And in the seventh Jubilee, in the third week, Enos took Noam, his sister, to be his wife. And she bare him a son the third year of the fifth week, and he called his name Canaan. And at the close of the eighth jubilee, Canaan took Methuselah, his sister, to be his wife, and she bare a son the ninth jubilee in the first week of the third year of this week, and he called his name Mehel. And in the second week of the tenth jubilee, Mehel took a wife, the daughter of Bacharel, the daughter of his father's brother, and she bare him a son the third week in the sixth year and called his name Jared. For in his days the angels of the Lord descended upon the earth who are uh, named the watchers, and that they should instruct the children of men and that they should do judgment and uprightness on the earth. So in verse 15, You see where it says, Jared was born in the days that the angels of the Lord descended on earth, those who were named the watchers. So you see the word angel and watcher used in the same sentence, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Going back to what I was saying, when we say angels, that does not define what race of being we're talking about. It just defines that this being is acting as a messenger. What it is, where it came from, that's something totally different. So angel is just an all-collective word that just means messenger, but amongst these messengers, there's different types. And particularly what we're dealing about in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament where we're dealing with the gods, which would be the Nephilim, but then the old ones, as we call them, would be the watchers, their daddies. But when we say watchers, we can't think all the watchers are bad because there are yet still watchers watching. Mm-hmm. Gabriel's still running around watching. Michael's still watching. All the rest of the watchers are yet watching. They're watching. And not only right. are they watching, they're helping. Right. Now, flip the script. If there's good watchers left, there's bad watchers. Right. right. And these bad watchers are helping to corrupt the earth. They're helping give mankind bad information and bad knowledge about things. So can you understand what I say when I say this? When we talk about spiritual warfare, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, powers, all that stuff we read about. These are dealing with watchers. Not Casper the ghost, flesh, blood, bone beings who can... Have sex, have children, eat, drink, use bathroom, all that good stuff. Right. And when you think of it that way, that takes the spiritual understanding to a totally different level, right? All right, go to the next slide. Can I say something? I just go for it. That the slide that we just read, I'm, I'm, I'm tripping off of them. With their sisters. Yeah. Like, that, in today's that, time, that's what you call incest, but back then in those times, it was pretty normal. That was the normality of how you kept it in the family. So now oh. they got to that old group back south, more southern states back in the day. Uh, that's where we, I gather, that's where that all comes in some cousins and sisters and oh my God, I don't know. But, you know, in today's form, they would say that, hey, you ain't right, so I'm ain't right with you. You're doing stuff like that. Which, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I'm just saying, because I've been seeing this in the it seems like it's just normal. Well, I got you. I got you. All right, I I got you. Next slide is Enoch chapter 64, where it says, And in those days Noah saw that the earth became inclined, and that destruction approached. Then he lifted up his feet and went to the ends of the earth, to the dwelling of his great-grandfather Enoch. Stop. If Earth is round, how does it have an end? Mm-hmm. Think about that for a minute. Ponder that. <laughs> no, but. So he went to the place of his great-grandfather Enoch. And Noah cried with a bitter voice, hear me, hear me, hear me. 
three times. And he said, tell me what is transacting upon the earth, for the earth labors and is violently shaken. Surely I will perish with it. So as Noah goes to talk to his great-grandfather, what, what he wants to know is, like, in the words of Tina, what's the plan? What is going on? <laughs> and it says, and after this, there was a great probation on the earth, and a voice was heard from heaven, and I fell down on my face. When my great father, when my great grandfather Enoch came and stood by me. Now understand something. What's interesting if you put this together, Enoch has been taken. Matter of fact, can somebody look that word up for me real quick? Um, where did it go? Perturbation, P-E-R-T-U-R-B-A, that word there. Somebody look that up real quick, please. So Enoch's been taken at this point. Now all of a sudden, bam, he appears to talk to Noah. To give Noah an answer. Anybody find the word? I just now about to look it up because I just had to figure it out the spelling of it. I'm doing the same thing. T U R. All right. It says anxiety, mental uneasiness. So, if I put that there, anxiety, there was great anxiety on earth. And a voice from heaven was heard, and I fell on my face. Great-grandfather Enoch stood by me. I just needed to get more context on that word. Okay, verse 5. He said to me, why have you cried unto me with a bitter cry and lamentation? A commandment has gone forth from the Lord against those who dwell on earth that they may be destroyed. For they know every secret of the angels, every oppressive and secret power of the devils, and every power of those who commit sorcery, as well as those who make molten images in the whole earth. So Enoch seems from the book of Enoch to tell Noah God has decreed to destroy it. Because at this point, because of what the watchers revealed, people are now doing dark things. Notice it says, they know every secret of the angels, every oppressive and secret power of devils, and every power of those who commit sorcery. Now, if we go to the Quran, Allah says this, that Solomon did not disbelieve but rather the devil's disbelief, teaching the magic that came down to Babylon from Haru and Maru. So Haru and Maru would be amongst the ranks of watchers. So it would appear from even the Quran and the Bible that there was a time period where these watchers were invading our earth, bringing some type of knowledge with them, and perverting us to do dark things with this knowledge. Everybody got that? Mm-hmm. So he goes on and says, they know, referring to the people who know these secrets, 
how silver is produced from the dust of the earth, and how 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 on the earth metallic drop exists. For lead and tin are not produced from earth as a primary fountain of their production. Now, what's amazing is if you look this up, you'll find out that iron is not from earth, but yet we have it here. Right. Hmm, that's interesting. Oh, wow. It's here, but if you look it up, it, it, art is not part of our makeup, and, and it didn't come from here. So this kind of takes the Star Wars story and makes it a little bit more real that we have a rock here or a substance here that we know from science and from Scripture. It did not originate here. So if it didn't originate here, who brought it here? Where did it come from? What's its source? Things to think about. So then it goes on and it says, there is an angel standing upon it. And the angel struggles to prevail. Afterwards, my grandfather Enoch sees me with his hand, raising me up and saying to me, go, for I have asked the Lord of Spirits respecting this anxiety of earth who replied on account of their in." Piety, have their innumerable judgments been consummated before me? Respecting the moons have they injured, and they have known that the earth will perish with those who dwell upon it, and that they, I'm sorry, that, and that to these there will be no place of refuge forever. They have discovered secrets, and have, and they are those who have been judged, but not thou, my son. The Lord of Spirits knows that thou art pure and good, free from reproach of discovering secrets. He, the Holy One, will establish thy name in the midst of the saints and will preserve thee from those who dwell upon the earth. He will establish that judgment and right, that seed in righteousness. And in dominion with great glory, I and from thy seed shall spring forth righteousness and holy men without number forever. Okay, so in 64, it seems to point out that through these beings, watchers, a.k.a. angels, mankind learned the knowledge that was very perverted and dark. And it is the same knowledge and science that is being used and searched for today. So, again, when we take this and we read the scripture and we accept this as truth and not as fable, we have to accept that a group of beings that were not earthly stepped into our physical dimension, had sex with women, produced children, taught mankind sciences and technologies that mankind was not to know yet, used, taught them magical spells, taught them how to write insignias and sigils and all kind of dark things. And this is the magic that's now being used today that Allah tells you to seek refuge in him from. It is the watchers, the dark ones, who brought this knowledge of dark magic into the world. But as I said last uh, uh, on Wednesday, if the watchers knew this knowledge, where did they get the knowledge from? So obviously they had to be taught, right? Right. 
It's just like if we learn something today and then we take it upon ourselves to go and use it for evil, then that's what we do. But it doesn't necessarily mean what we originally learned is evil. We just chose to pervert it. Go to the next slide. We're almost finished here. Go to the next slide. What would you say, Venus? I'm saying, mm-hmm. Got you. Next slide. And he answered and said unto me, and this is Enoch chapter 15. And I heard his voice. Fear not, Enoch, thou righteous man, and scribe of righteousness. Approach here and hear my voice. Go say to the watchers of heaven who have sent you to intercede for them. You should intercede for men and not men for you. Where, uh, wherefore, you left the high, holy, and eternal heaven, and you lay with women, defiled yourselves with the daughters of men, and taken to yourselves wives, and done like the children of earth, and begotten giants as your sons, or Nephilim. And though you were holy, spiritual, living the eternal life, you defiled yourselves with the blood of women, and have begotten children with the blood of flesh. And as the children of men have lusted after flesh and blood, as those do die and perish. Therefore have I given them wives also that they might impregnate them, and begot children by them, that thus nothing might be wanting them on earth. But you were spiritual, living the eternal life, and immortal for all generations of the world. Therefore, I have not appointed wives for you as for the spiritual ones of heaven, and heaven is their dwelling. And now the giants who are produced, or now the Nephilims who are produced from spirits and flesh, shall be called evil spirits upon the earth. And on earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they were born from men and from the holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on the earth, and evil spirits shall they be called. As for the spirits of heaven, and heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of earth, which were born upon the earth, on earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of the Nephilim afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth, cause trouble, they take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst and cause offenses. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women because they have proceeded from them. So, Jihad, if you had to interpret that in a nutshell, what did it just say? <laughs> um that um they're they're being their children are being punished for uh what they did. Okay, okay. So Venus, what does it show you? Well, there's a whole lot that's said in this one verse. Uh First of all, uh, he had to go to them and let them know um, that the fact because they decided to mix blood of human women with their spiritual DNA, 
basically he also, he lets her know that this is not how it's supposed to be for I never told you that you were to become like men uh, taking on wives. That is not what your function is. Your function was for something else, and because you did this, um, you had these children, and now these children that you had are mixed with spirit and blood, and they've gone mad, meaning, you know, as far as when it comes down to they oppress, afflict, destroy, and they take no food, nevertheless, hungry. So yet, they're always going to be hungry for doing this corruption, this killing, and this this anger, and all of this other craziness, no matter what. So because of this, um, pretty much, uh, God really, he's going to turn them there to, they call evil spirits. They no longer can come up to heaven. There's no mixing. Now they're going to be the things of the earth, just as the earth that they are, they decide to mix with. And pretty much that's, that's pretty much there's a lot said here, isn't it, concerning the spiritual matter versus the mixing of the blood matter, which caused separation. You caused the separation now uh, from who you really are, and you no longer can come up to heaven like you used to. And not along your children. Your children are the making of earth, so they can't even become like called heavenly bodies. Got you. Now let me throw something in here. Remember in Sora Jin, Sora 72, the Jin say we used to be able to go up to the heavens, but now we find it locked and we're stuck on earth. Some of us fear God, some of us don't. But then he says, and we found out that the foolish one amongst us lied to us. Everybody remember reading this, right? Mm-hmm. The foolish one, referring to the devil, lied to us. And we would have never thought any human or any Gentile would have ever lied on the Lord of the world. But we believed him. And we found out that he lied to us and led us all astray. So then he says, therefore, some of us have returned and we're good and we repented. Some of us are bad. Some of us are far from that. So if you tie these groups or these words together, you realize that as we've looked at it in the past, we are talking about the same things, whether you call them the Anunnaki, whether you call them the Titans, whether you call them the, 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 the uh, Nephilim, whether you call them the gods. It's all the same group of people. Mm-hmm. which Enoch tells us are a group of beings called watchers. These watchers were given the task to help us and watch over us. But a group of them decided to take advantage of our innocence, raped our women, brainwashed us, turned against the creator, tried to establish themselves as gods, and they just have made a mess out of this world. And this is why, this is the part that, this is where the important role of the Messiah comes in. It's not about saving races, but it's about redeeming the planet. 
It's about bringing the planet back into order and bringing the world into submission to God the way it was supposed to be. So again, as I keep telling people, if you want to talk about spiritual warfare, how deep do you want to go with it? So we've seen that these beings came and taught knowledge that has caused corruption. Everybody saw the same thing tonight, right? Mm-hmm. All right, go to the last slide. Which is the book of Enoch, chapter 72. And it says, the book of the courses of the luminaries of heaven. The luminaries make reference to what we call planets today. The luminaries of heaven, the relations of each according to their classes, their dominion, and their seasons, according to their names and places of origin and according to their month, which Urel, a holy angel, I'm sorry, I told you one more, this last scripture is actually one more. Urel, the holy angel who was with me, who was their guide, showed me. And he showed me all their laws exactly as they are and how it is with regard to all the years of the world and to all eternity till the new creation is accomplished which doeth till eternity. As for the first law of the luminaries, the law of the sun has its rising in the eastern portals of the heaven and is setting in the western portals of the heaven. So Enoch seems to start going into a fact that a watcher by the name of Urel showed him the sciences of how the planets operate in their orbit. And particularly about the sun, he talks about the sun rising in the eastern portals and setting in the western portals. Mm-hmm. Notice he does not say portals, singular, mm-hmm. but portals, plural. And if you remember, I told you, if you actually sit down and chart the path of the sun, is weird. Because it doesn't do a full circle, per se. It does a circle, and then halfway through its orbit, it does a, a slight turn, goes across, then it loops back around, and then comes back up, makes another turn, goes back in different direction. And it all is done within a 365-day cycle. So we think that the sun just spins in circles. But if you pay attention, it actually goes through different directions. So when you read Enoch, Enoch describes to us about these portals that the sun goes through. These portals, which what we call today equinoxes or solstices, this is why magic is done on equinoxes and solstices a lot, because these are the days the portals are open and the physical world and the spiritual world are closest to each other. So again, when you understand astrology and astronomy, it takes on a very deep spiritual tone when you understand the science. Now, here's what I'm pointing out. If this science of understanding this was bad, why did the watcher teach Enoch the science? You get my point. Mm-hmm. 
even though the bad watchers came and taught the same science, but in a perverted way, doesn't change the fact that the holy watchers taught the same science, but in the right way. And Enoch tried to preserve that science in the books because of the corruption that took place with the other viewpoint. So there's one science that is known but has been corrupted. And the group that has corrupted it again has taken hold of it, hid it from the rest of us, and then even used the church to demonize it to make us afraid of it so that we would never study it, research it, nothing. So as we go through these different phenomena, such as ESP and all this, what you'll actually find is that a lot of this stuff works with planetary alignment. And I point out to you again, if planetary alignment and planetary rotation is not important to mankind's history and culture, then why did our founding fathers establish our election and our voting process based upon astronomical events? 